Good morning, everyone, and welcome <coughs> to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for the original edition, you will see the link to read A-C-I-M-O-E. On that same, <coughs> on that same drop-down menu at jcim.net, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading. For the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 o'clock Eastern Time, 11 a.m. <laughs> Today we're continuing our reading in, in Chapter 2, <coughs> The Illusion of Separation, with Section 3. Healing as a release from fear. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, uh, lesson 18. I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my fear. And, and we continue to call for volunteers daily to lead that lesson. As our regular uh, <laughs> choir director on that, the Fran is uh, is still not is not back. Okay. Well, as usual, I don't have the lovely poem that encapsulates the the mind frame of the course the way Lori does. And I'd just like to take a moment with what I see as you know, the the sentence, the eponymous sentence of the section. And just say it and uh, and let's sit with it for a second. From the first paragraph. Essentially, all healing is the release from fear. for uh, <clears throat> joining me in that. I think kind of changes the way I'm viewing Lori's absence this morning while she's undergoing a medical procedure. Just a moment.
Okay. Um, so I would like to go now through the reading list and, you know, participant list. So with us in reading, I have Robin Marie, Donna, Diana, Karen, Jessica, and Judith. And with us in listening, there's Ida and Harrison. Is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to be on either the reading list or just say good morning? Okay. I'll get it started here then with Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation, Section 3, Healing is Released from Fear. Paragraph 52, the emphasis will now be on healing. <clears throat> the miracle is the means, the atonement is the principle, and healing is the result. Those who speak of, quote, a miracle of healing, unquote, are combining two orders of reality inappropriate. Healing is not a miracle. The atonement, or the final miracle, is a remedy, while any type of healing is a result. The kind of error... Excuse <coughs> me. The kind of error to which atonement is applied is irrelevant. Essentially, all healing is the release from fear. To undertake this, you cannot be fearful yourself. You do not understand healing because of your own fear. Robin Marie? Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation. Section 3, Healing as Release from Fear. 52, the emphasis will now be on healing. The miracle is the means, the atonement is the principle, and healing is the result. Those who speak of, quote, a miracle of healing, unquote, are combining two orders of reality inappropriately. Healing is not a miracle. The atonement or the final miracle is a remedy, while any type of healing is a result. The kind of error to which atonement is applied is irrelevant. Essentially, all healing is the release from fear. To undertake this, you cannot be fearful yourself. You do not understand healing because of your own fear. 53. A major step in the atonement plan is to undo error at all levels. Illness, which is really, quote, not right-mindedness, unquote, is the result of level confusion in the sense that it always entails the belief that what is amiss in one level can adversely affect another. We have constantly referred referred to miracles as the means of correcting level confusion, and all mistakes must be corrected at the level on which they occur. Only the mind is capable of error, 
The body can act erroneously, but this is only because it is responding to misthought. The body cannot create, and the belief that it can, a fundamental error, produces all physical symptoms. Thank you, Robin and Ray. And Donna. 53. A major step in the atonement plan is to undo error at all levels. Illness, which is really not, quote, not right-mindedness, end quote, is the result of level confusion in the sense that it always entails the belief that what, what is amiss is on love that what is amiss is one level that what is amiss in one level can adversely affect another we can constantly refer to miracles as the means of correcting level confusion and all mistakes must be corrected at the level on which they occur only the mind is capable of error the body can act erroneously, but this is only because it is responding to misthought. The body cannot create, and the belief that it can, a fundamental error, produces all physical symptoms. 54. All physical illness represents a belief in magic. The whole distortion which created magic rests on the belief that there is a creative ability in matter which the mind cannot control. This error can take two forms. It can be believed that the mind can miscreate in the body or that the body can miscreate in the mind. If it is understood that the mind which is the only level of creation, cannot create beyond itself, neither type of confusion need occur. Thank you, Donna. And Diana. Fifty-four. All physical illness represents a belief in magic. The whole distortion which created magic rests on the belief that there is a creative ability in matter which the mind cannot control. This error can take two forms. It can believe that the mind can miscreate in the body or that the body can miscreate in the mind. If it is understood that the mind, which is the only level of creation, cannot create beyond itself. Neither type of confusion need occur. 55. The reason only the mind can create is more obvious than may be immediately apparent. The soul has been created. The body is a learning device for the mind. Learning devices are not lessons in themselves. Their purpose is merely to facilitate the thinker, the thinking of the learner. The most that 
uh, faulty use of a learning device can do is to fail to facilitate learning. It has no power in itself to introduce actual learning errors. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Diana. And oh, you're uh, welcome. Thank you, Lemoyne. Yeah. Karen? 65. The only, excuse me, the reason only the mind can create is more obvious than may be immediately apparent. The soul has been created. The body is a learning for the mind. Learning devices are not lessons in themselves. Their purpose is merely to facilitate the thinking of the learner. The most that a faulty use of a learning device can do is to fail to facilitate learning. It has no power in itself to introduce actual learning errors. 56. The body if properly understood, there is the invulnerability of the atonement, the two-edged application. This is not because the body is a miracle, but because it is not inherently open to misinterpretation. The body is merely a fact in human experience. Its abilities can be and frequently are overvalued. However, it is almost impossible to deny its existence. Those who do so are engaging in a particularly unworthy form of denial. The term quote-unquote unworthy here implies simply that it is not necessary to protect the mind by denying the unmindful. There is little doubt that the mind can miscreate. If one denies this unfortunate aspect of the mind's power, one is also denying the power itself. Thank you, Karen. And Jessica. Thanks. Paragraph 56, the body, if properly understood, shares the invulnerability of the atonement to two-edged application. <clears throat> this is not because the body is a miracle, but because it is not inherently open to misinterpretation. The body is merely a fact in human experience. Its abilities can be and frequently are over-evaluated. However, it is almost impossible to deny its existence. Those who do so are engaging in a particularly unworthy form of denial. The term unworthy here implies simply that it is not necessary to protect the mind by denying the unmindful. There is little doubt that the mind can miscreate. 
If one denies this unfortunate aspect of the mind's power, one is also denying the power itself. 57. All material, all material means which man accepts as remedies for bodily ills are merely restatements of magic principles. It was the first level of the error to believe that the body created its own illness. It is a second misstep to attempt to heal it through non-creative agents. It does not follow, however, that the use of these very weak corrective devices is evil. Sometimes the illness has a sufficiently great hold over a mind to render a person inaccessible to atonement. In this case, it may be wise to utilize a compromise approach to mind and body in which something from the outside is temporarily given healing belief. Thank you, Jessica. And Judith. Oops, I thought I was on mute. Thank you, Lemoyne. All material means, all material means, which man accepts as remedies for bodily ills are merely restatements of magic principles. It was the first level of the air to believe that the body created its own illness. It is the second step to attempt to heal it through non-creative agents. It does not follow, however, that the use of these very weak corrective devices is evil. Sometimes the illness has a sufficiently great hold over a mind to render a person inaccessible to atonement. In this case, it may be wise to utilize a compromise approach to mind and body, in which something from the outside outside is temporarily given healing belief. This is because the last thing that can help the non-right-minded or the sick, is an increase, an increase in fear. They are already in a fear-weakened state. If they are inappropriately exposed to a, quote, undiluted, unquote, miracle, they may be precipitated into panic. This is particularly likely to occur when upside-down perception has induced the belief that miracles are frightening. Thank you, Judy. And is there a a new reader who would like to continue with uh, 58 and 59? New reader for fifty-eight, fifty-nine. Oh. Okay. Um, 
Back to you, Robin Murray. Fifty-eight. This is because the last thing that can help the non-right-minded or the sick is an increase in fear. They are already in a fear-weakened state. If they are inappropriately exposed to an, a, quote, undiluted, unquote, miracle, they may be precipitated into panic. This is, particular, this is particularly likely to occur when upside-down perception has induced the belief that miracles are frightening. 59. The value of the atonement does not lie in the manner in which it is expressed. In fact, if it is truly used, it will inevitably be expressed in whatever way is most helpful to the receiver, not the giver. This means that a miracle to attain its full efficacy must be expressed in a language which the recipient can understand without fear. It does not follow by any means that this is the highest level of communication of which he is capable. It does mean, however, that it is the highest level of communication of which he is capable now. The whole aim of the miracle is to raise the level of communication, not to impose regression in the improper, improper sense upon it. Thank you, Robin Murray. And um, Donna, 59 and 60. The value of the atonement does not lie in the manner in which it is expressed. In In fact, if it is truly used, it will inevitably be expressed in whatever ways is most helpful to the receiver, not the giver. This means that a miracle to attain its full efficacy must be expressed in a language which the recipient can understand without fear. It does not follow by any means that this is the highest level of communication of which he is capable. It does mean, however, that it is the highest level of communication which he is capable of now. The whole aim of the miracle is to raise the level of communication, not to impose regression in the improper sense upon it. 60. Before miracle workers are ready to undertake their function in this world, it is essential that they fully understand the fear of release. Otherwise, they may unwittingly foster the belief that release is imprisonment, a belief that is very prevalent. This misperception arose from the underlying misbelief that harm can be limited to the body. This was because of the much greater fear that the mind can hurt itself. Neither error is really meaningful because the miscreations of the mind 
do not really exist. This recognition is a far better protective device than any form of level confusion because it introduces correction at the level of the error. Thank you, Donna. And Diana, would you uh, conclude with paragraph 60? Sure. Before miracle workers are ready to undertake their function in the world, it is essential that they fully understand the fear of release. Otherwise, they may unwittingly foster the belief that release is imprisonment, a belief that is very prevalent. The misperception arose from the underlying misbelief that harm can be limited to the body. This was because of the much greater fear that the mind can hurt itself. Neither error is really meaningful because the miscreations of the mind do not really exist. This recognition is a far better protective device than any form of level confusion because it introduces correction at the level of the air. Thank you, Des Moines. Um, sorry, off mute. Okay. Uh, thank you, Diana. And I've, that changed my mind. I think we, I think we want to to stop with 61. So would you go ahead and read 61? Oh, sure. 61. It is essential to remember that only the mind can create. Implicit in this is the corollary that correction belongs to the thought level. To repeat an earlier statement and to extend it somewhat, the stool is already perfect and therefore does not require correction. The body does not really exist except as a learning device for the mind. The learning device is not subject to errors of its own because it was created but is not creating. It should be obvious then the correcting the error or inducing it to give up its miscreations is the only application of creative ability which is truly meaningful. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Karen, would you conclude with 61? 61. It is essential to remember that only the mind can create. Implicit in this is the corollary that correction belongs at the thought level. To repeat an earlier statement and to extend it somewhat, the soul is already perfect and therefore does not require correction. Body does not really exist except as a learning device for the mind. This learning device is not subject to errors of its own because it was created, but it is not creating. It should be obvious then that the correcting 
the creator or inducing it to give up its miscreations is the only application of creative ability which is truly meaningful. Thank you, Karen. And, uh, yeah, it's like, I think this is, this, this, these last couple paragraphs are essentially are the summary of what's gone on here before. And one thing, I just want to point out one thing that's present in the title of the chapter, which is the illusion of separation, is not really present in this, in this reading for today and, or tomorrow, but it is, it is essentially what he's describing here, this thing of level confusion, confusion, that the illusion that the body determines what mind, you know, can require things of the mind or affect the mind, that that illusion or that that belief, this level confusion, is, if not the illusion, it's the source of it, and that the 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 cure the cure here offered here is to remember that only the mind can create, and therefore the correction belongs at the thought level. Now, the soul is already perfect and therefore does not require correction. And the body really only exists as, as a learning device for the mind. It has been created, but it is not creating. It should be obvious, then, that corre- correcting the creator or inducing it to give up its miscreation is the only application of creative ability which is truly meaningful. This, this is where healing occurs and all healing is the repeat of fear. Which, you know, in a sense, this is the reversal of the body, identi- the identification with the body that leaves us separate an identification as an effect with the effect rather than the cause. I mean, truly it's all one, but the, the level confusion of reversing the cause and effect between mind and body is the source of all all issues where fear appears to become real when it's really an illusion in the mind. And stop before I muddy it up too much. Um, and uh, we have a few minutes before the top of the hour. So I uh, ask uh, people to consider whether or not they would like to lead the a remembrance of Lesson 18 this morning, um, which I'm not sure I even stated. Uh, the lesson is, I am not alone 
been experiencing the effects of my seeing. And, uh, yeah, Lord's open. This is Donna. If no one else uh, is interested in doing the lesson, I will do it. I am complete. Well, thank you, Donna. Yay, Donna. Yes, thank you, Donna. <laughs> Hi, it's Jude. I have... um. Uh, just something dawned on me that in the very first paragraph where it says the atonement or the final miracle is a remedy. Um, you know that it's perfect love. Perfect love is the atonement. <coughs> and it's, it's the answer to everything. All the problems um, God gave us the Holy Spirit as the answer to anything that we can possibly think up. Um the atonement is the final remedy, and I, and and it just dawned on me that you know the the Holy Spirit is the call to the to the united power of the kingdom of God to restore itself to itself, and that's all, folks. The end. <laughs> and thanks, Judy. I know I tend to view it as like the ultimate goal, where all is well, far away somewhere, but it's actually the remedy. <laughs> it's actually the means of producing the result. So thank you. The simplicity and elegance of it, um, and to relax and just um, rest in that, rest in that peace and that love is is the easiest the softest, the gentlest, most tender way I, I can in, encompass myself in, in, in the knowledge of, of who and what I am. And, the, you know, it, I hate even talking about it because it's not something that you can express, but, the, you know, the words point to it, and we have, have well, how is that having, having and being it? Having it and being it, to have all, give all, to all, is to know the being of it. It's and it's and the expression of it, and giving it away that I know that I have it, and you know that it's one big circle of love. And oh, I'm just trying to let go of this body stuff, and I, it's like I don't want to think about it anymore. I don't want to. And the one line that it's, that stands out to me in all this. Um, discussion about physical illness and, um, you know, because I've I've been so attending that the body is going to work as a catalyst, as a catharsis from releasing me from this false perception of myself that, you know, it's like, just forget it already. You're giving it too much. It doesn't have any power to really do that. Um, and where is the one thing that I really particularly um, liked 
Oh, that it's it's um, not necessary to protect my mind. Um, that the the body has no power over my mind. That my mind, you know, just simply recognizing the body does not have any power over my mind. That it can't tell me what I think or how I feel, and that I'm giving it too much importance and valuing it too much importance. Um, it's value and 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 it's um, how do I want to put this? That it's just it's 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 validation of my sensorial experience. I'm highly overrating it. That it has value, sure. That it has pleasure and it has pain, sure. But that I don't overvalue its importance or its significance because it really isn't a part of me. I can't deny that it isn't in the experience of the world, but it just validates the experience in the world, and it and it doesn't validate any part of my spiritual experience. It has nothing to do with it in reality. So, ergo, there I go. Um, That's all, folks. Thank you. Well, thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I think this is Diana. Thoughts are just thoughts, and our thoughts are not neutral. They, they all produce effects. So when we think um, we are not separate, we are joined with the memory of God, and in this body-mind experience is where some of the difficulties begin because I know if I have a headache, I'm going to take an aspirin. But it does say corrective learning begins with awakening of the spiritual eye. So God has allowed doctors to be doctors. And here we go again with talking about levels and the level confusion, which I think I understand, and then I'm completely back back in the woods when it comes to processing the different levels when it comes to the atonement factor. And but I I do believe we have to be careful what we think because we're creating all the time, and we're either creating with the body mind or the mind of Christ, I'm complete. Thank you, Diane. It's important thing that it says in the reading today is that the the soul is created perfect. It doesn't need to be, and it's it's in correcting the mind's false beliefs that we that we are imperfect, that we are somehow. Um, that our mistaken perception of ourselves as the body and needing improvement. This is not a self-improvement plan. This is a, a recognition and realization of our per- perfection as God created us and that the mind, only the mind is capable of illumination and that the body in and of itself is too dense and, you know, that the mind can bring that illumination to the body but that the density of the body is the opposite of a it's 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 not intelligence. It's not of the mind. 
that it is of matter and it's 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 too dense you know <laughs> that's all i'm complete hi this is robin marie i was reading uh, 59 um and the value of the atonement does not lie in the matter in which it is expressed in fact it is truly used it will if it is truly used it will inevitably be expressed in whatever way is most helpful to the receiver not the giver and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm question i'm questioning that because i i think you know as you give you do receive so i think that if you're able to give someone uh, <clears throat> a, uh, a benefit in a way that they understand that that benefits you so you become part and you're communicating with that person um in, in this in this paragraph it sort of seems like the levels are um kind of uh like graded but actually um it's like the miracle is the miracles are not graded and i don't think that 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 um when it says it does mean however that it is the highest level of communication of which he is capable now um <clears throat> it's like giving bread to a starving person you can't expect them to be able to communicate with you about um you know levels when they're starving so i don't know this this paragraph is a little bit um makes me think thank you mm-hmm. so patricia real quick maybe for the after call that chapter that paragraph on is the one that i've got all kinds of things it's the biggest one and uh so I have some clarity over exactly what you quoted um, when there's time at some point. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I think we don't have to wait until after the recording, but what I think that this this point that you know he's not he's not to meet the I think what one of the things that I see in the paragraph. It's not the value is not in the manner in in the of the expression. It's not in the expression, but it is what and that the expression uh, really needs to be really needs to communicate the atonement to the receiver if the giver would give it, and so. Um, yeah, it, and the the point here is to raise the level, not to impose regret, mm. not imposing regression on the giver to, mm-hmm. to a, a physical thing like giving something to someone who is experiencing physical need. It, it doesn't require, it is not a requirement that the giver think that that is the atonement that the atonement that occurs is the communication you know, of compassion and the recognition 
the other mm-hmm. person as more as valuable in the in the mind of, of the giver, and that that is the basis at which the level of communication can be raised. And uh, I think that's a good point to turn to the lesson, which is I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing. And uh, Donna, um, <laughs> take your time and uh, lead us through this, if you would. If you're speaking, Donna, you're on mute, I think. <laughs> Thank you, and I apologize. It's okay. <clears throat> I'm reading from the review, part one, lesson 54, day 18. I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing. And I'm going to um, turn to Miracle 12 and read that. Or Miracle Principle 12. Miracles are thoughts. Thoughts can represent lower order or higher order reality. This is the basic distinction between intellectualizing and thinking. One makes the physical. The other creates the spiritual. And... We believe in what we make or create. And back to day 18, paragraph 4. I have no private thoughts. I cannot see a private world. Even, Even the mad idea of separation had to be shared before it could form the basis of the world I see. Yet that sharing was a sharing of nothing. I can also call upon my real thoughts, which share everything with everybody. As my thoughts of separation call to the separation thoughts of others, so my real thoughts awaken the real thoughts in them. And the world my real thoughts show me will dawn on their sight as well as mine. 18. I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing. And let's take a moment. Day 18, I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing. And I had a thought that came to me about that, or actually a prayer. 
I am a creator and a miscreator. These are my two choices. I am as God created me, perfect, immortal life. I am complete. And amen. Well, thank you, Donna. Hey, so it's Robin Marie, and I really would love to hear what Patricia was going to say. Um, if you're still there, Patricia. Oh, hon, yes, I am. Thank you very much. I, yes, it was really so simple and <clears throat> powerful with your share because it was such a potent example of a starving, I'm going to say child, because that was the most frequent time I experienced this paragraph in my life when I was with a starving child. I am um, a Feldenkrais practitioner and I've had um, a lot of work with the children or elderly people where I've uh, kids with um, unable to eat, like a, a two-year-old who's not able to eat and um, they're not they've got a feeding tube and so the work I have is how do I help this one uh, uh, heal and so my experience when you said that was so strong and and sometimes truth is a real hard thing to allow to be simple so I appreciate the time to wait and listen to the lesson today so here it goes. Um, I was not able to heal one child, and there were many that did learn and teach me what healing was. Not one would ever be healed if I thought feeding that child was the way I would heal them. So the idea that, oh, if someone's starving, there's no way to get to them until you first feed, their, feed them, that's not true. And that's the conundrum, and that's the thing that actually made the work I do in the curriculum in this book so powerful, was the one who would sit there long enough and connect with that being with what is not starving. And that's not easy to do. But it's a fact that when I lower the communication to the level or raise it, whatever we want to say, in this paragraph it says the whole aim is to raise it to the point that that child knows the part of them that is not starving no matter what. And I got uh, to be yeah. with those kids. I get it. I got to be with them. I got to be with them in whatever condition they were in and see them awaken to how whole they are, right where they are. And one was just to find out a smell where I thought that child has hunger. 
that's how this started, but that's how I can communicate. And so I brought this little banana over to the child's nose, and then, and then I took a piece of it and rubbed it on the child's lips, and I was touching what was already whole. And it's not uh-huh. easy to do, to just stay to one tiny thing, which yeah. a paragraph told me is if I would lower my expectation and understand that the miracle isn't to raise it up and give what is missing and have everybody see the big whole hole. No, it's to lower it to the cup and the plate on the table. It's to keep lowering it to the perfection that's there right now. Yeah. And for those parents that would keep bringing those kids back over and over with no sort of medical support saying this was okay, but even the physical therapy offices that knew to have that person like me in there that would sit there and be with what's already perfect yeah. I always remember this one little boy that raised his head for the first time in six years. You know, he could he could slap his mouth to taste with his tongue. Maybe he couldn't swallow yet, but he could slap his lips and taste it in his mouth and it wouldn't gag him. And he was able to lift his head and say hi. He was whole. And we all yeah. are. In the broken parts, the lower it down to what is whole and stay there is the challenge of our existence. The whole aim of the miracle at then is to allow God to raise that level of communication. So it grabbed me quickly with the biggest challenge, which was must be expressed in a language expressed with words that will not make anyone feel something's missing. Express something we prefer without saying something else is less preferable. Mm -hmm. And and that is so grippingly challenging that the paradigm or the metaphor that the Christ light has given me lately is that this level of understanding is a matter of saying you need to see it differently, honey. Time is a ripening. It's not a progressive cause and effect to get anything better. It's already perfect. Time ripens your own awareness of what each level of perfection is. So just look at that apple tree right now, how bare it is. It's not sick. (laughs) It hasn't forgotten it's an apple. And we don't go out there and chop them all down and pump up and hang fake apples on it until it can remember what it is. So let's, look, I'm talking the way Christ talks to me right now, you guys. Today, honey, look at anything out there 
there's a garden somewhere growing. And that leaf that hasn't sprouted yet isn't, isn't an error waiting to be the bigger one next to it. You give nature permission. You give the apple permission to be bitter and hard. Let a human, let a human be ripened with the same grace. Let a human be with as much compassion as you give an apple tree. Let them be bitter and know that Christ is ripening them. Even if it takes a big, deep breath and it's painful to do, which I'm going to say back to Christ, it is hard for me to do this. And I can say it in this call, and I can feel the flow in me to know it. It isn't easy, but it's so worth lowering that level down to what I can say, okay. All hell is breaking loose right now, but I get to be here, and so do you. And sometimes that's all we know. And then God will raise it, I know. Let's stay that way with each other. Let's learn to express in a language which the recipient can understand without fear. We're so beautiful. So great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, 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 I find... with you. I found a lot of parallels with children, and I'm just working on adults so much more. They're the same thing, right? (laughs) We're all all really children. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing. I think it's the child in me that, you know, is the only one that can soften enough with this whole uh, serious adultness with life. But then we get a paragraph like 59 that I never mark in my book, hon, but boy, I circled everything, and I've got even Mm -hmm. pink and red, and oh my goodness. Thank you for paragraph 59. Love them like an apple tree. The humans, they can be naked Mm -hmm. and bitter and broken and ugly and mean, but God's what ripens them. And we've got time to wait and love what we can right now. Thank you for the time to share with you something Thank so you. real to me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you both.
Oh, we're still on the call, are we? This is Patricia. <laughs> so I I got a kind of a, I listen, and I I got a memory, a whisper of a miracle of one of those children and said that if it stays silent, maybe I should tell them this story. It's a true story of uh, Jasper. And um, this was, uh, I think he was around 10 years old now, and I began working with him when he was around six or four months, three months old, somewhere around there, just newborn. But now it's yeah, 10 years old, and I have moved out to the ocean out, out there by you on this uh, sabbatical, Robin Marie. And uh, so I, I had stopped working um, and gone on a spiritual journey. And I got woken in the night. It was uh, 3 in the morning. I'm woken. And I've got the vacuum. And I know I'm... I woke in this a state of, okay, alertness of something's going on because uh, I do a lot of, give a lot of prayer time, like my whole life here. So, um, so now I'm, I've got the lights on at three in the morning and I'm vacuuming. And then around uh, four, all of a sudden I stop and Jasper is the light in the, dark of four in the morning. Oh, gosh, I've never told this story. I'll try to make it short. I'm out there. I'm out there at the ocean, uh, living by myself. Uh, It's four in the morning, dark, and this part of the room lights up, and I turn the vacuum off, and I hear Jasper, and he's calling me Mama. Well, I wasn't his mother, but he's saying Mom, and he's doing it very strong, and he's saying we're doing this together now. Uh, we're doing this together now. And then the phone rings. And Jasper's passed away. And Jasper had taken his last breath in his body and left. But he was right there with me. And I was like this. And we're living here. You know, these things that happen, we're eternal. And these moments are alive in us forever. And so this is reawakened in me. And I know Jasper and all little children are with me right now and all of us. It's rippling out through all of life. This is real. Never shared before. So I'm uh, quickly... um, I'm getting dressed. Now, it's still dark, and I'm in a place where I don't really... Well, anyway, Jasper drove me down that windy coast road like a wizard, and meaning the car was lit up, the the dark of the night in those windy, foresty, coastal cliff roads. Um, the road was lit up, and I could hear Jasper singing to me, we're doing this together now. And I was stunned and in a state of shock as as I was going through, driving through what I was aware of. I could not normally to be driving this way. This is really happening to me. So I've got this observer self going, oh, my gosh, look what's happening to me. So I get all the way down the coast. It's a two-hour drive to get to Jasper's home and parents. 
And then uh, life continued, uh, so I can shorten the story. But the work with these children and the uh, what we don't understand is perfect all the time. And the perfection of the what I do is just say, show me the soul story, and then I, I it's like another frequency. It's another dimension of vision. Show me Jasper, this child, or this you, this family, or this situation. Show me this person's soul story, and I'll just get a hum or a feeling. Or here lately told, use a color. Get rid of the, the the judgment, Patricia. Oh, the story is red and green, red and green. Oh, that's interesting. And then I'll relax and know, okay, that's what the soul is doing. Now I can listen to their their broken foot that the doctor didn't fix right or whatever. That I can be yeah. in the in the the physical dimension. But the curriculum is building an eternal soulful vision that really makes uh, things happen, that makes it so the world doesn't need to change for this being only that which sees the soul in its glory at that moment, no matter what the the role it's playing on that stage. So thank you, honey, so much, and everyone else. You reminded me that I'm never even separate, even though I'm really retired from working (laughs) with them, that Jasper would be so excited to actually be hearing this spoken this way on the phone. He wants Uh you guys to know it's real. It's real. We're all perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I think I'll go and teach a whole bunch of those little kids now. <laughs> Love you all. Bye. Bye, Robin. She's already gone. This is Renee. Um, Patricia, thank you so much for sharing about your experiences as a Feldenkrais practitioner. I just have to mention David Bone, the physicist, his definition of dialogue is part of what Mari Perone um is referring to in a course of love um, that which was David Bohm that was based on his on on Feldenkrais because Feldenkrais was a physicist as well um, that really being present with someone that the dialogue the truly being there um, and I'm so touched by your share and complete. Well, thank you, Rick. 
Yeah, that sheriff or story of Patricia was was quite powerful in uh, doing that unveiling of dialogue. Something more than two people talking to or more, but unveiling the statement in the course of months that creation is a dialogue which we have not yet joined. That's okay. Our present level of communication does not mean that that's the level at which we are capable. And the means of the atonement getting that banana up on the lips under the nose for that child is whatever whatever form doesn't matter the actual expression of the one and sharing in that that the dialogue that we uh lose track of in our specific reference for monologue, dialogue, and so forth. Anyway, I'm good. Thank you, Lamine. Hi guys, I um, stewed just thinking this morning and in, in, in contemplation how just being being aware, sitting and being aware with someone, and um, being that open field of presence, like Renee was so beautifully referring to, that is the subtlest, absolute subtlest form of expressing love and there's no acting to it there's no words to it and for all practical appearances to the mind it's really not doing anything as the mind would describe doing something because it's so it's just being awareness being knowingly being aware. Um, I, I, I think that's all I want to say. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Um, I think that points to something I experienced there in Patricia Chair. And I'm talking about love. People and kind of shifted to a third person because left the call. 
Um, but the, it's uh, it's it's the real sense of uh, in that mo- movement to the level on which or does believe word but that the the movement to where it can best be received if it's truly an inspired creative act it certainly does not exclude that level you just referenced that level just awareness of oneness of being in fact it you know when it hits that tone where the giver actually we're sorry the receiver can actually receive it the giver doesn't have to doesn't you know is not drawn down to that level is is the atonement that is you know and I can't even say it's brought down to that level but it's successfully expressed it does certainly does not exclude what we call higher <clears throat> I think between uh, you know what we where we often use higher and lower a better descriptor might be specific and universal that in that the specific and universal and correct not clearly and that that is the real option in the atomic anyway I'll see right there. I'm sorry I had to drop off the call, but and I missed pretty much everything after um Trish was Trisha was started to speak and um but I was thinking about that I use the expression meeting people on the dance floor. And it's a practical metaphor for me because, you know, it it, 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 it implies a, um, meeting and joining, um, but where people are at. And it doesn't have anything to do with the judgment of the level at which we're dancing, we're just dancing, right? <laughs> which I like, you know, it's like we've joined and we're dancing. And so if we're doing, you know, one foot in and one foot out, um, or if we're dancing a wonderful waltz, it's still dancing. And um, I think the the Course speaks of, um, you know, the the undoing of the separation is just the the desire and the willingness to join with someone in love in love for them you know and it and it's it's the love calling for love to, for love to be itself and it's inherent in everyone and expressed either as the giving or receiving of it and it and that you know, level assessment really loses, you know, it doesn't really have any meaning anymore 
because it's just meeting itself where it needs to be met. Where the need is, love love is called for, then the need to, to give it is accepted and and it's done. So I always like that um, dancing, meeting people on the dance floor because the, the level of communication at which people are able to um, be in a dialogue with, at the level of some of these spiritual um, concepts may be expressed in ways that aren't spiritual at all. They may be expressed in music or through poetry or through a love of gardening or through a love of a coffee shop. You know, what's your favorite? It's Starbucks. (laughs) Not that I get into that sort of stuff, but, you know, the level at which we join in the dance is ever-present, always and already everywhere. And I think the the infinity and the endless multiplicity of seeing that, you know, that I can share with anyone's enthusiasm or love for anything or um, call for love. So, ergo, there I go. Thanks for being here. I'm complete. Good morning. It's Mindy. I wanted to say thank you for everybody for sharing, and I've got to say goodbye. Thank you, everybody. Really appreciated all the shares. Bye. Yeah, I'm going to follow Mindy. Um, you all have a great day, and uh, thank you for your shares. Well, thank you both. And thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask a favor of you, Judy. You're on the recording when it's just the two of us left. <laughs> Tell me. I didn't I hear what you Did you ask it? Pardon? What's the favor? Did oh, you ask? Tell me it? I didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I said I'm going to. And, uh, okay. Then you started asking if I had asked it right when I asked it, which was, tell me I didn't feel the call. <laughs> I guess maybe I just got to completion very early today. It's just you and me left. That's my backhanded way of informing you. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like Lori said the other day. We simply don't take it personally. <laughs> oh, I know. Some some days, I mean, I I leave the call, and I really, really, really don't want to. You know, I mean, there's there's many times I leave the call. So what's calling other people away is is um is is inherent in the lesson today. How is it I'm seeing? How is it? What's the lesson again? <laughs> I'm not alone in experiencing the effects of my thing. Mm. No, I miss. I miss things in the world all the time. 
I went to the store Monday, the grocery store, and I, 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 I really didn't need to go to the grocery store, but it was a rainy, freezing, sleety kind of weather, and I have a Volkswagen Beetle, and it was getting completely iced over. I mean, it was like almost a half an inch of ice frozen on everything. And I thought, i got to get out there. I'm never going to be able to get my doors open. So I went out in the weather and cleaned off the car and got it warmed up and took a ride to the store. And I was going to go to the bookstore and the grocery store. But the bookstore was closed, and I thought, that's weird. The weather isn't that bad. I made it to the grocery store, and there was nobody at the grocery store. It was like five cars. And um, I got in the store, and I'm like, where is everybody? <laughs> what am I missing here? <laughs> is there like a high alert, you know, evacuation plan that I missed? <laughs> but it was um, Martin Luther King Day, so it was a holiday. And then, you know, with the weather being what it was, people weren't going out. It was like a Sunday holiday. So um, what I'm not aware of in terms of the world's, what most people find necessary to see, you know, uh, I'm sometimes totally unaware of. (laughs) And it makes me laugh because, you know, I don't have a calendar on my wall, and I, unless I look at the phone, I don't really know what the day day is. I know it's January, but, um, you know, what is it today? The 15th, 16th? It's the 18th. All right. <laughs> and these kinds of things. And it's so funny um, to one who used to really be preoccupied with time and place and space. I remember when I retired from nursing and I had um, took off my watch because I always had a watch on. It was essential to my job, taking pulses and having a a really um, strict, thought-organized time kind of schedule at work, medications and treatments and phone calls and, you know, it was all predicated on that watch on my wrist. So when I took off that watch and 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 um, I've forgotten this, I haven't thought about it in a long time, but I took it off and it was like time was no longer important to me anymore. <laughs> um, it's really, it's really um, this, that spiritual freedom, that incredible lightness lightness of being spiritual that seems to get me anywhere I need to go now on time. But, you know, I don't really have anywhere to go now because I'm retired. As far as commitments go when I'm still working, I, I notice. I notice when I have to be somewhere, but I'm not tethered to it. So that whole I'm not alone, I'm certainly not alone in... And when I, I read that word, my seeing, at the end of the, the lesson, I don't think of it as my seeing. I think of it as Christ's seeing, as God's seeing. So 
I don't think of it as a personal scene anymore, as out, out of Judy's personal eyes, through Judy's personal interpretation. Unless, of course, I need to, in the world of perception, apply it that way. You know, like I need to go this, that, and this way to get to the store. Then, of course, I'm using it. But that's just a matter of habit. But the the interesting thing is, in that lesson, I think it's in recognizing that thoughts, the thoughts precede the perception, precede what I see. And it's it's an agenda kind of thing. Perception has an agenda. Whereas spiritual sight doesn't have any agenda whatsoever. It doesn't look with any focus or any concentration or attention to details or specifics at all. And that's a great thing for me to know. It's like more like a floodlight than it is a spotlight. So I just rambled on a whole bunch. How much time is left now, Lemoyne? <laughs> well, complete. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. That, uh, and it does, I think the lesson cuts, it cuts both ways. That, you know, when, uh, when I'm lost in the particulars that that has an effect around me, right? But if I've lost sight of the bigger vision, I don't see that the uh, that the spiritual life precludes any any step, right? And, and is therefore able to uh, do that thing that Patricia's share in that paragraph talks about where it is about the receiver that he's talking about when he says uh, I believe right like this means that a miracle to attain its full efficacy must be expressed in the one expression must be expressed in a language in which the recipient can understand without fear. It does not follow by any means that this is the highest level of communication of which he, the recipient, is capable. It does mean, however, the highest level of communication of which he is capable now. So, it is the thing of the bringing the universal down to the particular so it can be recognized, you know, or be used in service of the recognition that it's all connected and that, you know, we might... I had this, so to go back to the lesson, I am not alone is where it starts. I am not alone. And in, in what... In what? In experiencing the effects of my being, right? So if I am, if I think I'm alone, <laughs> then other people are going to experience the effect of that seeing myself as alone. But if I am not alone, 
then, which is where it starts. That's, I think, the root sentence. I am not alone. <laughs> and uh, I think that that's a, been a really big shift for me and maybe a good place to, to end the call on. That it, the ways in which my mind would attempt to uh, to prove or improve or approve of the separation um, are all based on the fact there's something else out there, and therefore, which is like kind of kind of crazy when you think about it, because you know the way I prove it that I'm alone if other people are happy with other people all the time or something like this doesn't prove that I'm alone it just proves that relationship is, is what is real and everywhere and uh, if I choose to see it as enforcing separation that it's my choice to dwell there instead of recognize that yeah, relationship is that the way I experience aloneness is always a relationship something else and therefore the whole idea of being alone is self-contradictory <laughs> at least the way it is it, 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 appears in my mind. And so. Ah. And that, I think, goes to paragraph 60, right, where it says, the, the greater fear is that the mind hurt it, but not really meaningful because in this creation mind now this go back point of the chapter and that recognition far better protected by than any form level can be looking particularly thought determined that recognition the miscreations of the mind do you not know, the ideas that I can use relationship proves separation and if I'm doing that I'm on that recognition is a far better protection because it's correction Thanks for hanging with me, Judy. <laughs> and thanks for everyone else who was yeah, on the call. Might listen in the future. Go ahead, Judy. Just want to see it's all the face of God, God seeing it himself. <laughs> that seeing, all seeing is seeing God. And it's one, the totality of the that experience of seeing and knowing that I am seeing, the knower that 
knows the experience of seeing itself. It's the knowledge of God, seeing every, God seeing everything as itself. The end. Okay, thanks, Lemoyne. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>